0: Hi, I'm Matt. I'm one of our volunteer fundraisers here at Kennedy Street. Thanks for listening. Your support is greatly appreciated. Please do head over to our website, www.kennedystreetcio.org, for information on how you could be involved in future fundraising campaigns or how you can donate to this great cause.
1: So we're going live. Oh, we're live, we're live, we're live it always catches me unaware it should do a countdown or something nice to see you all and welcome to lovely dr Le- dr robert lefevre um i'm claire kennedy and this is the gorgeous kevin kennedy i'm pointing to him as if you can see my screen as it is but i'm sure you can't um yes yeah, so we we do these little wednesday chats and we call them kennedy street live um, and basically that the um all around recovery so we have recovery talks we have all things that are related to recovery really because we're really passionate um, as a family um, and as a charity about everything that that that's wonderful about recovery um and the, and and how people do need a lot of hope and need at the moment um so Robert came on the on the show a couple of weeks ago in fact I think it was about a month ago and we've had so many positive comments Robert about your coming on the show and having a chat with us so we thank you for that a lot of people really really enjoyed listening to you um and I'm sure lots of people come back today knowing that you're on so um yeah so before we go to dr robert and have another chat with him i'll just give you a little bit of an overview of what we're doing just in case you don't know so we're running a very small charity in brighton called kennedy street cio um kevin and myself and we've got board of trustees and we've got a team of amazing helpers um and volunteers and um Over the lockdown, we've been running a recovery helpline and where we've been um, virtually assisting people into recovery um, because a lot of people have had a lot of need. And what's emerged from that whole experience, I've been volunteering and and, um, doing not-for-profit work for for 22 years, Um, but what's emerged over the last 12 weeks is this huge need for people um, who are seeking a solution but don't know where to start um so what what our helpline's done is it's given them that starting point and we would love we would love to be able to continue to do to grow this charity to become a national offering we have been helping people nationally and we still do help people nationally so if you've got a problem or you, you want to start a conversation around where to start, please please don't hesitate to get in contact. We'll do everything that we can to connect you to whatever route of recovery that you want to, get to be connected to. Um, yes, yeah, so that's our, our charity. Um, and we have a fundraiser as well for the month of August, which is going to help us to generate some non-ring fence funds that we can put into keeping this helpline going. Um, so yeah, so it's called the Road to Recovery Fundraiser. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about it later. I don't really want to go on about it too much at this point. Maybe we'll talk about it a little bit more later on, um, after Robert has introduced himself. I'll let Kevin introduce yourself first though, Kev, if you don't mind, and then you can hand over to Robert and you can, Um, Oh, he's disappeared, Robert. His router must have gone off. So, Kevin, you tell us a little bit more about what Robert's going to be talking about when he comes back. Hello, um, my name's Kevin, Kevin Kennedy.
0: I am the patron of uh, Kennedy Street. Um, You probably may know me from Coronation Street many, many years ago, um, 16, to be precise. Um, And uh, I help out with the I Am The Face I am the face and the poster boy <laughs> of Kennedy Street, which, uh, as you can see, uh, is the beautiful face. And uh, today we're going to be talking about something which is very close to my heart, which is it uh, is the art and and being uh, productive um, in. In immersing yourself in, in either drawing or, or creative stuff being creative if you're being creative during um d- during your uh, addiction or being creative during whilst you're in lockdown it's a great help for for mental health uh my personally um i found it a perfect job actually for for an addict because um i got to be o- other people for 2 hours uh, on either on stage or on television um i think as an as an addict um I think there's a, a bit of um self loathing that goes on uh, in especially in early recovery and I found that one uh, my job uh was a great help it was, it was a bit daunting going back to acting uh, after being in rehab and what have you—is that all those thoughts about am I still able to do it? Am I any good? All the the, the doubts that y- you have after an illness like that—and uh, I'm happy to say, um, I think I, I came I came back a, a certainly more um, in touch actor, I certainly more um, sponge-like and uh, more aware of 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 things around me and being and looking into characters i could i could really relate to a lot of of aspects of of different characters and their weaknesses and their um, idiosyncrasies uh, because i was in touch with myself and and so that really 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 helped um so yeah so that's what we're going to talk about today uh because
1: when dr. when dr robert gets his uh, he's got technical issues unfortunately
0: issues. but dr uh, robert not only is he a brilliant bloke and uh a great advocate of recovery he's also a musician and he writes endless uh music uh yeah. and we're going to talk to him today about that but while we're waiting why doesn't claire tell you about our charity um for the month of august
1: so okay let me get my oh where is it I'll get you my flyer all prepared here today. So this is what we're doing for the month of August. It's called the Road to Recovery, and it's a 5K challenge. You can join at any point during this um, month of August. It's a virtual event um like i said earlier um we're trying to 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 get fundraise to be able to afford to continue to operate this helpline that we've we've started during lockdown um and um so if you want to join virtually basically go to our website which um will be on our um underneath our faces here now and you can sign up um, and you can make a donation um and we ask you to partake um in and, and rather than coming to an event what we do is we ask you to so if you're in Manchester and you want to do 5k on our behalf you make a donation of five pound and then you do your run your walk your swim whatever it is you want to do whatever challenge you want to set yourself and we ask you to take pictures or little videos of yourself and we ask you to upload them to our Our charity Facebook page. We send you a welcome pack as well when you make a donation and when you've registered. Um, And then you can feel part of it. And what we do is we have one of our fabulous volunteers, Jill. Um, She is collating all of the 5Ks that people are doing and she's working out how far collectively we would travel if we were doing this together. So, will we get as far as London? Will we get as far as Paris? Will we get as far as Berlin? Um, or who knows so but we need your help basically we need your help over the last I'd say it's more than 12 weeks I keep saying 12 weeks but we've we've been in lockdown now how long have we been in lockdown now Kev?
0: Five months I think isn't it (sighs) March, April, May, June, July, August six months.
1: Oh my gosh so it's way over so in let's just put it this way in the first 12 weeks of lockdown we received. We never used to run a telephone helpline um, as part of our our charity. We used to go out into the workplace and we used to train businesses um, and help them understand what recovery looked like in the work um, in the community. And we also run ran a community project where we would help people in recovery to 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 get into employment, to upskill themselves, to feel better about themselves, to get involved in, you know, different activities helping us um but then lockdown hit and it was like oh my gosh we can't do the community stuff we can't do the workplace stuff what what's going to happen and then what happened is the telephone just started ringing off the line and we went from five inquiries a week which we used to get maybe by email to over a hundred telephone calls a week i mean that was an underestimate 100 telephone so in the first 12 weeks of lockdown we received um I think in total 700, about 750 calls. And it was just, it was just unbelievable. It was just, the need was phenomenal. It was from all walks of life. Um, It was mums that were at home with children. It was frontline workers. We got a lot of calls from frontline workers. We're still getting a lot of calls from frontline workers who were struggling. So, um, yeah, so what we do is we we don't act as clinicians. Um, All of our telephone operators are trained recovery coaches who have all got a lived experience of recovery themselves. Some of them have got training. Some of them are trained counsellors. Some of them are trained psychologists. Um, But we don't act as clinicians. What we act as are recovering addicts who signpost people to the most appropriate place near them. And if that's in the community where they can get contributing care, like one of the 12-step fellowships, that's where we will try and connect you to. And because of the difficulties people have had connecting to those fellowships because they don't know of them because they're anonymous, what we've been doing is we've been acting as like virtual chaperones really and just helping talking people through zoom talking people through how to make contact how to access those meetings online um yeah we've been it's been amazing and we've integrated i'd say over 130 people into a recovery process um into into one of the recovery fellowships or into treatment or into therapy whatever it is that their route of recovery is so yeah we'd love to be able to continue this type of work and we think that there's a real need we've seen that there's a real need and we think that that will continue and i see dr robert's back Mm -hmm.
2: back in. there he Mm -hmm.
1: is Mm -hmm. sorry about that
2: robert i just thought i'd carry on chattering away what i've what i've done is to turn off my iPad, which uses more juice. And so I'm now just on my iPhone. So we should be fine from now on.
0: Perfect.
2: Um, we have difficulty here because in South Kensington, where I live, they keep digging up the roads and they dig up all the, all the Wi-Fi connections. So we have we have constant problems with it. But here I am today and I'm delighted to be with you again. Thank you very much for inviting me.
0: Yo, very welcome. Uh, I was I was just talking about the uh, importance of creativity uh, during um, recovery, and I was talking about my own experiences as as an actor and how how I found it very comforting. Um, uh, almost the most the perfect job for a recovering addict is to be an actor because I got to be someone else for two hours. Um, uh, and I, I, I really enjoyed that. I mean, I think, as I said, I think there's a bit of self-loathing that goes on in recovery, and the idea of of being something, somebody else, is 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 very good because when we're in that, in the depths of, of despair, and we're we're in our disease, we would be anybody uh, rather that's than true. ourselves. Uh, yes, and that's absolutely right. And I think, we, you know, you find yourself, if you're in a pub and everyone's got an Irish accent, you'd find yourself talking in an Irish accent, anything to belong, anything to, to find yourself in a, in a different uh, world than the one you're actually inhabiting. So could you tell us, Doctor, firstly, uh, how important do you think um, it is to recovery, uh, creativity, and, and what you do? I know you're very creative yourself, and how you find, find that to help you.
2: Well, I think recovery... Is fundamentally about three things spontaneity you know let's do it now Let, let's let's give it a go let's okay it might go wrong but let's do it and so action is the magic word the second is creativity which I'll come to and the third is enthusiasm. We've got to see the light in people's eyes. And you've got to have it in our own eyes if we're going to attract other people. And if you meet this chap in a meeting, I haven't had a drink for twenty years, <laughs> uh, my response is, why on earth not? You know, what's the quality of your life? Where's the creativity? Where's the spark? Where's the enthusiasm, the spontaneity? So now focusing on on creativity particularly, I find that I, I'm created by nature. I always was. and I think that's true for all addicts. I think we were born into difficult circumstances, and we had to try to make sense of a crazy world. So we looked here, we looked there, we looked everywhere, and we became very creative. It isn't that creative people become addicts. It's that addicts learn how to be creative. And once learned it, We can be creative in two directions. Um, In my using days, I was wonderfully creative. I found different ways in which I could use. I found different substances, different behaviors, different relationships. I used anything here, there, and everywhere to change the way I felt. So I was highly creative, but it was all in the wrong direction. And it was only when I was flat face down that I recognized that I had to be creative in a different way and learn to do something more beautiful. Now, as far as my specific creativity is concerned, I always wanted to be a professional musician. I announced to my school when I was age 16, I'd like to be a professional musician. And they said, you can't, it's for homosexuals and we don't allow that sort of thing here. (laughs) So that was British private schools in those days and maybe it still is. Either way, I got myself a singing scholarship and so I could read anything I wanted. And I said, I'll read music. And Cambridge University said, yes, fine. And so one week later, they said, not fine. And I said, why not? They said, well, you're no good. I said, well, I never had any lessons. And they said, well, we don't teach at that level, dear. Why don't you go to London and go to one of the colleges? Anyway, so I became a doctor instead. And and that was highly creative. I, I really had to work hard on uh, learning the science subjects from scratch. I did maths, high maths, and physics at school, but I'd never done any biology or chemistry. Anyway, so my creative urge went into my, my science learning. And I didn't like hospitals at all. I, I found them impersonal. Um, you know, the interesting case in bed four. That's not my style. I want to know her name. I want to know where she lives, circumstances are. But when I entered general practice, that's exactly what I'd found. And I loved it. I absolutely loved being a GP the whole of my life. I was a GP for 45 years. And then when I created rehab, um, again, I absolutely loved it. I, I felt these are my people. I belong alongside addicts. And I didn't understand that because I hadn't understood my own addiction at that time. Um, But I went to Hazelden in Minnesota to a program called Professionals in Residence, and I thought they would introduce me to the staff and teach me various techniques, instead of which they opened a door to one of the units, pushed me in and closed the door. So I was stuck in with the patients, which is exactly where I belonged. I may be a doctor, I may be the director of a major rehab, but I didn't. and that's where I need to recognize whatever I've achieved in my life. I'm an addict, pure and simple, common or garden. And I can, once I accept that, then I can be created in all sorts of ways, in beneficial ways.
0: That's, that's, uh, do you think that, oh, hang on. I'll just... Oh.
1: Hang on a minute, he's muted himself. Careful no, you need to unmute Hi. yourself. <laughs> sorry uh, that.
0: Do, you, uh, do you think the obsessional behaviour of uh, of the average uh, common or garden addict, um, I mean, I can only speak personally, but I do get obsessed with, with in the creative process. I find it a great release because I'm not in my own head. Do um, you think that that trait of being obsessive Um helps with the creative um, journey?
2: Well, I think it does. Um, Insofar as uh, when I'm composing my music, I have to put the dots in the right place. If I don't, you know, and I've got music all over the place, it isn't music. Other musicians can't read it. So I have to be obsessive. I have to get the key signature right, the time signature right, the bars in the right place. And, and so on, all the technical side. I have to take that for granted, so that other musicians can read it. Um, I'm delighted to say that uh, in next weekend, the first piece of music that I've ever had recorded is being performed and recorded by a set of professional musicians. I'm going mm. to be a composer, a real one. Now, um, at the tender age oh. of eighty, at the tender age of eighty-three. I've, I've waited a fair length of time, but wow, just watch me now. This is traveling. So I think this is the point. We don't have to worry about how old we are or what our previous history has been and how much damage there's been. Start now, whatever it is, do something beautiful. And so that's what I'm doing with my music. And um, I was a singer and a conductor of sorts, but I wasn't really any good. Whereas my composing's okay. You know, but it'll be fascinating to hear it. Um yeah. so um I don't know what you find um Kev. When you're playing your own stuff, um do you recognize it?
0: Yeah, I find that when I'm playing, I, I really like playing other people's music and, and that leads to me being more creative. And and I, I do get obsessed. I get obsessed with a phrase that I can't get right. Um <laughs> And I play it over and over and over and over again. Uh, But it never in my head, I'm not playing it over and over again. I'm sure Claire will tell you that she's heard the same phrase played over and over again. And once I've got it right, then I have to keep doing it to get it right. It's a bit like recovery. I have to keep going until Mm -hmm. I've got that, that phrase right. Now, think, if you take if you take off your addict head, uh, addict hat, and put your doctor hat on, um, is there any medical and and that kind of hard fact uh, that being uh, creative um, does something to the brain? Does is is there hard evidence for that?
2: Um, I think there's hard evidence for practice in anything. Uh, the London taxi drivers study showed that taxi drivers developed. An enlargement of a particular part of their brain that finds the way around the orienteering part, and two weeks after they, or two months, or two years after they retired, it went back to its previous shape. So, mm. in other words, the brain is plastic; it learns through experience, and so that aspect I think is very important. And what you were describing just now, Kev, about you know practicing that same bit again and again and again, is what makes you a better guitarist. And what I find is that as an active addict, I wanted the results now. Mm. I didn't want to bother with practice. I want what I want when I want it, and I want it now. And I want all the results immediately. I don't want to bother with practice. Anyway, um, the end result of that was I, I wasn't any good. Whereas now, I practice, practice, practice. Mm. And I'm, I'm getting better, and I'm loving it.
0: Yeah i also find that um, performing uh, as i do i mean i i i perform all the time i've done numerous tours and west end stuff and what have you and before when i was uh, active in addiction um when the curtain fell and i was full of 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 the adrenaline and um, i wanted to keep that going i, I needed to to chase that feeling i wanted to keep that feeling um Going all night, which which meant obviously that then, then booze would get involved, going to clubs would get involved, um, and I find now, for example, um, I was doing uh, "We Will Rock You" in the West End, uh, and it was Dominion Theatre, which is a beautiful theatre, it's two thousand people, uh, and the show was was marvellous, and it was a proper rocky, loud, boisterous show. And at the end of at the end of the show, with the, when the curtain was up, we were taking the bows. I would enjoy all that adoration and the noise and the clapping, and and uh, and I'd really accept it. And I'd really, yes, I deserve that. It was a, a job well done. Thank you very much. And I take the bow. But the yeah. difference is, I didn't want to chase the feeling afterwards. And in reality, I found it really lovely just to take all that take the bow, and then go upstairs to my dressing room, take all the stuff off, put my hat on, get on the train back to Brighton. Um, and 20 minutes later, I was just a normal bloke on the train going home. And I found great solace in that as well. And uh, yes. the fact I could leave it behind. Once I'd left the theatre, that was that, which is before yes. I could never do.
2: Yes, you're absolutely right. You asked me to put on my doctor hat, but mm. I wasn't wearing my doctor hat when I went to the Dominion Theatre to hear Meatloaf. So you know that was living. Yeah, you know, I, I, I didn't particularly like the show. Um, I, I felt it was overdone. But but you know that's just really critical. I can't do what he could do. I can't get anywhere near it. And mm. so I've got tremendous admiration for people who are professional performers. It's just not my skill. But I, I do my stuff in my way. Mm. So I think that's what's important: to be the person you really are rather than try to pretend to be someone else. Well, as an actor, it's the same in, in that sense as my work as a GP. I would adjust my vocabulary, uh, the way I approach people, the, the type of terms that I use, according to the patient who was with me. So you can't speak to an ambassador in the same way as you would speak to a housewife or a student or, or a visitor from a foreign country. I had to change to be available to each of those people and many others. So at the end of the day, I wondered who I was. Mm -hmm. Now, I've heard actors describe the same. They wonder who their real persona is. Well, I've had that experience as a GP. But nowadays, what I've recognized is I am Robert, whatever I'm doing. I'm Robert when I'm composing. I'm Robert when I'm doing my photographs. I'm Robert when I'm speaking. I'm Robert when I'm counselling. I'm Robert with my wife. You know, it's Robert's. And I think that's rather fun. So, you know, to try to be just one person in a box with one on it, which is what people have tried to do to me, um, I, I think is ridiculous. I love being all those Robert's. And and Claire, I expect that you've had a lot of Claire's.
0: Yeah. I was listening
2: to your, listening to your, your introduction just now. Golly, the, the way that you are able just to draw people in, that's magical. What a talent.
1: Oh, bless you. Thank you, Robert. And do you know something? It's I think what is ta- what what recovery has taught me is that it's okay to be me. Um I'm unashamed of me now, you know. All of my, all of my little quirks, all of my little, you know, mannerisms, all of my passions, and all of my, all of the things that I found really, really interesting over the years. And some of them, you know, quite, I've shied away from because I found them a bit of a woman. What? what recovery? I'm going to have to silence Kevin because he's got a problem with my. I don't know what it is. It's, oh, I don't know if it is Kevin. Oh, it is Kevin. Yeah, sorry, Kev. Yeah, so, you know, I think everybody's taught me that over the last 20 years, it's okay to be clear, unashamedly. And, and what the last 20 years has taught me is I've got loads of gifts, loads and loads of gifts. And I think that's been my job, is to find out what those gifts are properly and to, to nurture them, to let go of some that aren't really serving me, you know, that I thought I wanted to develop, but really aren't, aren't my cup of tea, aren't really meant to be. I've been my, my doing and not, you know,
2: not really what's intended. Yeah, so um, well, I think... Um, my take is that although, you know, I acknowledge that I'm an addict, I don't nowadays do addictive things. My last use of any mood altering substance was twelfth of October nineteen eighty-four. So I'm thirty-five years abstinent, but I'm still an addict. No, it's really important. That I'm still an addict. And the last meeting I went to, a Zoom meeting, was this morning. Half past seven, I was sitting here with my friends from, from the Zoom AA meeting, and I was completely at home yeah. because that they're, they're my mates, they're people I feel totally, you know, in cahoots with their addicts, just like me. And that's very necessary for me. I need the meetings, and I need to work the 12 steps every day. I do steps 10, 11, and 12. That's what keeps us well. That's what it says in the big book. It says, these are the steps we took. In other words, this is what we actually did. We don't get better by going to meetings. We meet our friends, and we, we counter our denial, But if we're going to get better, we need to work the steps. And that's what I find has really enabled to me, to be the creative person I am now. Now, as far as my music was concerned, which is the central focus of my creativity at the moment, I had never composed anything until two years ago. I was 81 before I started. A friend of mine said, what have you ever composed? I said, nothing. He said, anybody can compose. You sit down at the keyboard and see what comes out of your fingers. So I thought, well, I'll give it a go. Wow! You know, since that time, I do musicals, an opera, um, two song cycles, some dance music. And I'm just working at the moment. I've just finished a gospel song, which is going to be recorded uh, next Friday. Uh, me writing gospel songs? Why not? And that's the oh. crucial issue for anybody why not just do it ask yourself well i've never done it why not try now why not yeah
1: absolutely and i and, and i think that's what recovery's done for me it set me free from any shackles of self-doubt and and everything i do i do in good faith everything and so so when the lockdown happened and i realized something had to be done i was getting these phone calls and i needed to do something different. I just did it. It was like, well, just do it, Claire. Just do whatever it is that's put in front of you. And if it works out, it's 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 the bigger picture. And if it doesn't work out, well you've not you've not lost anything. You've done what you thought was the right thing. And that's yeah. how my that's how my creativity manifests. So I'm not a great musician. I am a great artist, actually. I love art. And yeah. and recovery has taught me about being um Allowing myself to, to take that time to nurture, because I feel like when I'm doing art, I get lost in the moment mm-hmm. in the piece of art that I'm creating. And it's a very mindfulness, it's a, it's a very mind black. I can't be anywhere else other than in the moment creating that piece of work. I love art, I love creating. I don't do enough of it. I really do need to
2: make more time to do more art, to be honest. Um, Yes, I I was wondering whether to to go back to pencil drawing. I I enjoyed painting, uh, just drawing with pencil and and proper paper, uh, some bridges. I was up in Scotland in Peebles, and the most wonderful stone bridges, and I just did some drawings of them. I'd never drawn before. Well, I've never drawn since, but why not? Well, one of the answers is because I have found that photography... Uh, enables me to express that side of me. My mother was a watercolour artist, and she used to do gold leaf inlays on manuscripts uh, for soldiers who had been killed in the First World War. And um, That's how my mother earned her living, doing these memorial scrolls. And she was wonderful. And she was doodling all over the place. We had the most wonderful telephone directories, because in, in those days, you know, in the, the volume E to K, we'd found a, a snowdrop growing out of the E and a mouse peeping out from behind the K because mum was on the phone and she was doodling all the time. And we really should have kept those phone books as works of art. So each one of us has our own screen. And I, I could go back to drawing. I don't think I'll take up painting. But my photography, I've, I've published seven books of photographs. Um I go with my wife who's, who runs um a company that specializes in hiking guides. So she drags to this place. We go to Tenerife and Madeira and the south of France and so on. Oh, it's a hard life. Um so we stay in these hotels and, and it's it's very difficult. You I'm sure you understand. Anyway, um I, I'm the photographer. So I take about oh a hundred photographs. And we'll keep about five of them um, because the great advantage, an iPhone is a wonderful camera, um, but also it, it doesn't cost you anything. It's not like the old days when you had reels of film. So mm-hmm. I can take a lot of photographs and then crop them and shape them and fashion them in the same way as an artist like you, Claire, would shape what you're doing. And I know I've, I've seen a picture of Picasso overpainting his work something that began this way finishes up with something completely different as he paints over and over and over. Guernica, his his famous uh, painting, the war painting, um, was extraordinary in the the number of um, trial runs he had at that before it finished up as the wonderful work we know it is today. Mm -hmm. So I think that's another important thing uh, of just doing it, doing it, doing it, going over and over and over. And coming back to something you were saying, Kev, <clears throat> My favourite stage character, or actually a fictional character, was Groucho Marx's distinguished amateur brain surgeon. Now, there are some um, occupations. You really don't want an amateur anywhere near it. You want a, a thoroughgoing professional. And so the distinguished amateur brain surgeon was was very much a, a joke, but... Oh, heavens, when I think of all the things I've tried to be and failed gloriously. I've been a distinguished amateur farmer, mm. a distinguished amateur politician, a distinguished, uh, you name it, you know, tried it, and I failed. But i that's the important thing. And if we fail, it just, it just means you know, they didn't have that particular talent. Yes, and you find out what you are good at.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, one thing that I find really interesting, and because of the nature of the work that I've been doing in the last, um, well, twenty-two years. I was twenty-two years yesterday, two years clean sober, and. And thank you. I give myself a little clap as well. I I keep thinking it's the 1st of August, my birthday, but all my other friends that that were there when I first started out, they always send me a message on my actual birthday and say, no, it's today, Claire." Yes, it is today. But what's happened over the last 22 years is I've met some amazing people that have used creativity as part of their community project. So I've got friends, a, a friend of mine called Paul, who runs a project in Chester and it's called Fallen Angel? But what he—he he was an ex um, prima ballerina um, who had ended up with a, an addiction problem, and um, he went, he got lost, and he came through it, and he got into recovery, and he really wanted to continue to dance, but he—he he wanted to do it differently, and he realised that actually, in dancing, had allowed him to. Express his emotions, emotions that he couldn't articulate, and he was able to dance them. So what he did was he started working with some some guys off the street, you know, really hard, um, hard to reach people, people that are really struggling, you know, men in prison, you know, that are prolific offenders and prolific drug, drug um, addicts that keep going back into prison. So he would go into prisons and he would do these three workshops and it would teach them about dance and how they could express how they felt about their, 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 their addiction through movement. And it was a revelation. It was unbelievable. Have you ever heard of that project, Robert?
2: Yes, yes, I. and I'm very much in favor of therapy and music therapy, art therapy, sorts of things, provided it's not a substitute for steps. The sense yes, no. of AA and now applied to NA and OA and all the other A's, that can get well. But how we express ourselves is, is vital. Uh, otherwise, we're just zombies. And what you're describing is someone who found his outlet in dance. I think he'd be probably delighted to be called a ballerina, but never mind. Um, <laughs> the, the, um, you know, I've I've known many people. David Charkham does summer therapy. Um, oh. He's got a lot of experience of that. My two closest friends at the moment are much younger than me. And what I have in common with them is a creative um, urge. Sol Golden Saturn, wonderful name, and he's a wonderful man. He's an artist. He's down in Hastings, or, or St. Leonard's, sitting on a uh, 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 groin and paint and, and drawing pictures of the waves as they come in. And, you know, he, he's up there with the Japanese waves. So and Sol is, is also um, painting the fire station in Road. Those of you who may um, be, <coughs> be familiar with the firestone, that artwork, which covers the whole of the face of the of the, the fire station, that is Sol. And, um, He's a most wonderful creative artist. My other really close friend is Kem Yusuf. So Sol is from Malawi. Kem is a, a Turkish Cypriot. <clears throat> so I don't know where I find these people. But what attracts me to them is their creativity. And Kem is my composition mentor. Words, he doesn't teach me. He's, I think there might be a better way of doing that. Have a look at it if you try it this way, and. And again, Kem um, is, is simply magical. He's a wonderful teacher. He's on the staff of the composition department, the junior of the, the music. So he's right up there, real professional. The most lovely thing about Kem is what he did this morning. He grabbed it. He's got a rabbit, and her name is Doc. And so there he is with Dorothy. He showed me a video of it earlier this morning. Dorothy bounding around his living room and, you know, he, he, allowing her to express herself in the same way as he does. They do it slightly differently. Um, um, I'm afraid that Dorothy will probably start eating his manuscript paper. But never mind. She is company. And what's important about that is that for people who are working in library, um, it's in the first year, we get a plant, and if the plant is alive at the end of the first year, then we get a pet, and if the pet is alive at the end of the second year, then you're ready for a human relationship, and that's very wise for any of us. Once I got into my taste of abstinence, I've never looked back. But you know, I had a lot of madness and a lot of baggage that I had to use the 12 steps to put behind me so that I could move on to the creative person I am now. And it does take two years to get rid of the negativity and start putting in something positive. My friend George Christo did the work on that. He produced you know, graphs which showed that our self-esteem gets gradually better over two years and our negativity gets gradually less over two years. And at that point, when we meet, when they both, both those lines meet at uh, two years, then we're ready to really move forward. But of course, as addicts, we're very impatient. We want instant results. And it's just being patient for that first two years as things get better and better and better and the bad things get less and less and less. Then we can move on. And I think that's what's really beautiful because that gives us the opportunity to be creative. And during my professional life, I have been, I created the first NHS group practice in the South Kensington area. Um, I I was a passionate believer in the NHS and I set up this group practice and the three of us took on 60 new patients every week and my God, we worked hard. And it was wonderful, we just loved it. Unfortunately, government regulations meant that it was very difficult to stay alive financially. And and so when the, the Labour government came in and gave um, doctors a 5% pay rise and the staff a, 50, a 30% pay rise, we couldn't survive. And so we split the practice and I started doing private work and they cut down on the staff and, and the processes. It's perfectly understandable. Their children were younger than mine. But then you know, I got the opportunity to be creative, and I created a diagnostic center. I had my own X-ray equipment and just my own little laboratory, my own physiotherapist, my own nurse practitioner, my own little pharmacy. It was a one shop stop, a one-stop shop. And I loved it, and so did the patients. And I gave all my national health service patients access to that for free. Um, because it, it didn't cost much just to have the price of the film or the blood test reagent. And um, the costs were already there in the equipment and the staff. And so, you know, that was a wonderful time. And what I was trying to do was to say to the government, look, this is what a general practice could be about, because then you've got the enthusiasm of the doctor and the nurse, and you're saving the patient a lot of hassle. Their time is important, just the doctor's time. They are saving time if they don't have to go after the hospital for all these things. And also, you know, I could show my patients the result right there in front of them. I could show them the X-ray. I could show them down the, the microscope and say, look at that. You can see it yourself. And so we had an enormous amount of fun. Now, that enthusiasm is missing in general practice today. It's so sad that we're still having general practice as a place for prescriptions and certificates. And that's not what it's about. You've got highly trained doctors, highly trained staff, and you're using them as if they were just robots. And that doesn't work. So the creativity in medical practice, I think is essential. We've got to get back that enthusiasm. The the enthusiasm that the medical students had has gone after a relatively few years in, in general practice. They just you know write the prescriptions and see the next patient and so on. That's wrong. We've done something terrible to the NHS. You know, we can worship it, but it doesn't work. Nobody else has followed it. Um, people don't get the treatment they deserve. We have very poor outcome studies. If you compare cancer rates, um, cancer recovery rates in, in England to those in European countries, we rank very near the bottom of that. You know, We're just not good. And yet it's, we worship it. And we clap for carers, of course we do clap for carers. And these are the people who are doing the work. But I don't clap for the institution. The NHS doesn't work and it really does need a complete rethink. So somebody has really got to look at that and see what works and what doesn't and work out why it works and why the other stuff doesn't. So creativity isn't something that's simply confined to um, the stage as with Kev, or with the the music that I do, or the the wonderful speaking that you do. Um, it's, It's much broader than that. And I think addicts are ideally placed to bring out that creativity in other people because we do it for ourselves. I can encourage other people to be creative, because I've, I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, and so that way I think we can all learn from each other. And um, you know, if I'm creative on my own, it's just not true. I have Ken, who's my inspiration as far as my composing is concerned, um, Sol, who's my inspiration as far as my my photography is concerned. You know, there are lots of people. Who I learn from day after day after day. And yes. that's what I think is crucial, that we don't become something. We are a becoming. And the same is true for recovery. You know, I wouldn't say I was in recovery, but I would say I was recovering. I'm in the process of examining how I behave and seeing where it can be where it can be improved.
1: Absolutely, and where you're growing and you're changing, and I, I completely agree with everything that you said. Um, I'm not familiar with the third sector as it's called um, because I've I've never been involved. I've always worked in business, um, and I've only ever volunteered in the community in the Twelve Step Recovery community and in the community just at large. And it was only since moving to Brighton that I, that I registered as an. Office. Because I wanted to start um, a project in Brighton. And what I learned quite quickly was the third sector is full of acronyms and full of a lot of very scared people who are frightened of losing the job. And that's all that they talk about at meetings. So I would come storming in. you know, whirlwind blondness and with my creative thinking, and they would talk so we started having clinical commissioning groups. I'm sure you know of these clinical yeah. commissioning groups, and they would say we've got this 12 million pound pot. And I'm thinking, brilliant, this money could absolutely transform communities. Why don't we set up these creative hubs? Where there is a general peace practice, but around it are all these other amazing creative outlets like meditation, like art therapy, like um, school for social entrepreneurs. That's what I've discovered how creative people in recovery are when it comes to business.
2: I think, lovely, Claire, that's a a lovely way of, of looking at life. Um, but I must say. Addicts are not the only people who are creative. Um, I know many creative people who are not addicts, but we do tend, for the reason I was explaining, because our childhood was so bizarre, we had to become creative. I I think that was the difference between us and the general population. We had the motive, you know, we had to become creative or or snuff it. Um, You know, we'd be finished. So I think we have a tremendous privilege. You'll hear people say that they're grateful recovering addicts. And that's what they're being grateful for. They're being grateful for the opportunity to have the life of their dreams. And here I am, you know, I don't smoke. I don't drink alcohol. I, I don't eat sugar or white flour. I, I don't... Have caffeine or nicotine or, or you know any substance? I don't take recreational drugs. I don't take mood-altering prescription drugs. I don't gamble. But you know, I've emphasised all I don't do. But that's what life—my life—is about. It's about what I do. I have a most wonderful relationship with my wife. My wife Meg died after we'd been together for fifty-one years. I didn't relapse. It was a tragedy. No idea what I was going to do. I was living in a people's home as a result of my bankruptcy, as a result of not running my business properly and the fraud by my accountant. You know, I've been on the deck. But, you know, with the help of the 12-step program, I didn't relapse. I was able to continue being the person I, I was. And then when I came back to London, I met Pat. I knew her peripherally before, but I met her again and she invited me for lunch, and then she invited me for supper, and then she invited me for the weekend. And then we got married, and here we are, eight years later. Now, who would take on a bankrupt widower, age 73? Well, she did. And, and, you know, when I wondered why on earth, she said, well, you're fun. Well, I think that's that's the most wonderful thing. If somebody says I'm fun, then... um. I think that's something that I've got to offer. And if Pat is happy with that, oh heavens, I'm happy with her, I'm I'm in heaven. So a, a, a close personal relationship is the most important health factor of all. It's more important than giving up smoking. It's more important than losing weight. It's more important than taking exercise. All those things are small potatoes in health terms. That's in terms of cancer, diabetes, heart attacks, and so on. They're small potatoes compared to having a close-person relationship. Hmm. So what Pat and I have together is the most wonderful opportunity to stay healthy. But what's the point of health if that's all it is? Without the creativity, there's no magic. I don't want to live longer so I can spend more time being miserable in an old people's home. I want to live now, and that's what I've got. And so peace of mind in spite of unsolved problems. We've all got problems, of course we have. I want peace of mind anyway. Happy and mutually fulfilling relationships. I never say I'm married. I say I'm married so far. Because Pat might come in one day and say, you think so? And then the spontaneity and enthusiasm that I was talking about earlier. That, I think, is what recovery really is. It's not just penance. Absolutely is only the starting position. You've got to be absent in order to get all the other stuff, but you need to be absent right across the board. I mentioned the things that I'm absent from, and it's very necessary. I don't want to swap, you know, drinking for smoking or, or smoking for gambling or, or gambling for binging and starving. You know, what's the point? It's not changing me. It's not changing the quality of my life. It's not a spiritual experience. It's just going from one negative experience to another. And I don't want that. And so I decided, well, let, let's just get rid of it all. Let's be the person I can be. And that's difficult, because all your addictive nature is channeled into the final outlets. And so the final outlet for many people is cigarettes, or it could be antidepressants, or it could be sugar, you know, or it could be compulsive helping, doing too much for other people, and not enough to look after ourselves. These final outlets are very difficult because then we have no magic fix. We're dependent upon the 12-step program and nothing else. And it is a perfect substitute. The 12-step program enables me to be the person I want to be. Because I don't don't need to use anything to change the way I feel because the result of working the steps, I feel good. I, 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 I feel very happy and I'm very creative. And that's what i want to continue so um i'm 83 years young and i, I don't acknowledge my age um i, I think it's it, it's just a, a number but I, i've got composing to do I, i've just finished composing a, a, a solo for a tenor saxophone now i don't play the saxophone mm-hmm. but i heard other people and i made a note of the way that they played and the type of music that it worked. And I looked up, um, you know, the, the genetics of Duke Ellington and Count Basie and so on and listened to the way that they compose. And I thought, well, let's give it a shot. Let's see what I can write. And I, that is what's so crucial. Always looking forward. The past is over. Um, in terms of the 12 steps, uh, the word faith, or the word God frightens people. I, I have no religious belief at all. Uh, I have, I don't have that sense of faith. But when I look back at what I've come through, such as the death of my wife and my bankruptcy and so on, when I see what I've come through, then I can have faith for the future. I can say, well, if I come through that, you know, maybe I can tackle what comes next. And that, I think, is very important. So the 12 steps is not a religious program. It's a spiritual program. Looking at the human spirit of love, trust, honor, innocence, beauty. Those are not intellectual values. They're spiritual values. And it's that that the 12 step program enables us to really rejoice in and move forward. I want love. I want hope, trust. I want beauty. These are things that I want in my life, and I get them as a result of doing that simple program. And so this way, if we move forward, we can look forward with real enjoyment um, and uh, not just a sense of hope, but the, the enthusiasm, the eagerness to say, yay, let's go for it
1: beautiful absolutely beautiful thank you so much robert for for spending some time with us i I could have you on every every day never mind every once a month. We'd love you to come back and um again and and talk with us if you have the time or even the want to um like I say, I find you fascinating to listen to um and I'm just so wise and so willing to share your experience strength and hope with us and I think for me, that's that. The whole purpose of what it is that I try and do is to to just reach that one person that might need a little bit of hope, that might just need to hear that. That in the conversation today about how it is possible to to turn your life around and to come through and to become the best person that you've been put in to be. Um. And to to acquire all this, these amazing gifts, like creativity, like realising that actually, you know, we've got an, an abundance of gifts and our job in recovery is to just work our way through them and polish the ones that we want to finally tune. Um, I yeah. think it's
0: important to say as well that these gifts and creativity are transferable. You know, they, as, as the doctor said, they transfer to your, to your normal life and, and, yes. and with that... You inspire other people as well, so you know. So well, I just want to say thank you, Doctor Doctor Robert, as ever. Very well, perfect, perfect. and uh, and good luck this afternoon with your uh, with your composing for the saxophone. You.
2: Well, yeah, as you may know, We keep what we give away. It's you know what we give away. People spiritually enhances us. If I may, just end on an analogy, love is like music. The more you do in music, the more you appreciate it. Sex is like a cake. If you take a slice out of the cake, there's less left behind. So when people confuse love with sex, they're making a fundamental mistake. And what we do in loving people doesn't have to lead to a sexual activity. We can love and love and love and respect and that's what matters. Thank you, and thank you so much for inviting me. And if you if you do want me again, it'll be my privilege to be here. Thank you.
1: We would love for you to come again, Robert. Really love you to come again. And maybe um, what we can do is we can ask people what what they would like um, for us to chat about. I know that we've had a lot of um, direct messages about family recovery. There's a big keen interest because um, not a lot not a lot is talked about. About how families recover and and I, and I mean the family members around the person that's affected by addiction um, we talk a lot about recovery you know as a recovering addict, but I think there's a big piece of work that and a lot of information that people would really benefit from if we could maybe talk a little bit more about family recovery maybe in our next session i'll I'll, I'll see what the what our friends who are watching say. Because people continue to watch these these um, chats that we have, and people comment. So any comments are greatly welcome. Any requests that you'd like to hear more about, um, what like I say, Dr. Roberts a font of all sorts of wonderful knowledge. Kev's a font of wonderful knowledge too. Um, yeah, so thank you so much, Robert. And I'd love to hear your Thanks. your recording after it's been done next week. I'm very excited yeah. about
2: that for you. You never know your luck it's on friday the 14th it's being recorded and if all goes well i'll play something
1: yes please we'd love that yeah. really would love that so thanks again robert well, kev do you want to finish yeah. off
2: sorry i missed that oh,
0: okay. i just want to say uh yep thank you very much uh, dr robert it's always a privilege uh, thank you for everyone who's uh, tuned in. Um, please uh, like our page at uh, Kennedy Street and and please uh, tune in for the next one, which I think will probably be next Wednesday.
1: Okay, brilliant. Thank you again. Thank you. Yeah, see you next, next month, if that's okay, Robert. See you same time next month. Lots of love. Bye. Hi, I'm Matt. I'm
0: one of our volunteer fundraisers here at Kennedy Street. Thanks for listening. Your support is greatly appreciated please do head over to our website www.kennedystreetcio.org for information on how you could be involved in future fundraising campaigns or how you can donate to this great cause.